The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and around the world on the Mutual Broadcast Network, the Talkstar Radio Network, the Exxon Broadcast Network, and the IPBN Radio Network. You can always send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV, and our radio website at www exxonradio.com. Exxonation, now, did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon and Dark 30 and every other minute of the Mutual Broadcast Network by calling 605-562-4204. And that's courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone app or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 605-562-4204 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Exonation, my guest of this special segment of the Exxon, it's a two-hour segment, is Chuck Stansburg. We had uh, Chuck on the show a couple of months ago and we received a lot of email asking if we would have him back on. And uh, Chuck is the MUFON State Section 12 Director. He's a STAR Team member, CAG member, and field investigator. And uh, he really enjoys what he does here on Earth, investigating sightings, abductions, and mutilations. It has been about 20 years, 26 years now that Chuck has been involved in ufology. And Chuck, welcome back to the Exxon. How are you, good sir? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, thanks very much for coming on and spending two hours with us because the last time you were on, we really had to rush things through. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, an hour seems a lot sometimes, but with somebody like you, we had to give you two hours. It was the only fair thing to do. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. My pleasure, sir. So, Chuck, would you be able to tell us what brought you into the UFO arena? Well, yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I uh, it, it's kind of a long story. Well, not really long. It's kind of short. But <laughs> uh, we were a bunch of us guys were up in the mountains in Colorado, mm-hmm. and it's called uh, uh, Echo Lake. 
and we had a little bonfires there in 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 where they have the the uh, little huts. And I said, "Hey guys, I gotta go. Uh, I gotta get down the hill, and it's about 11:30, so I gotta get you know, I gotta get home." So I started leaving. I got maybe I don't know about a mile, mile and a half or so down the road, and I saw this all of a sudden this this huge great. I mean, you use you take your hands and arms, and go stretch them way out. That's how big it was by the naked eye. And it was an and it was an orb, and it had to have been at least ten, fifteen miles away from me. And I thought, what the heck is that? And it started getting brighter and brighter, and I started covering my eyes up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, next thing I knew, I was five miles down the hill, still in my car. And it was three thirty in the morning. So that I did not talk about it, evidently, because I did I couldn't quite remember it until somebody, uh, a friend of mine up there in uh, Laramie, Wyoming, he was a professor up there. He did a uh, hypnosis on me, so I found out mm-hmm. that uh, that that's how I found out that much of it anyway. And uh, I, I just it just boggled my mind. So I really got into pretty good after you know I got in the Marine Corps and, and uh, <coughs> saw a few uh, UFOs out there. All right, so let's continue this on the other side of this short break. Charles, thanks for joining us tonight. Looking forward to spending two hours with you, my friend. Exo Nation, uh, Charles Chuck Stansburge is our special guest. He is MUFON State Section 12 Director, STAR Team Member, CAG Member, and Field Investigator. And we're going to be talking to Chuck about UFOs, abductions, mutilations, and much more. Don't go away. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. This is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Don't go away. Back everyone, Charles Stanbridge is our special guest of this hour, whereas he is better known throughout the UFO community as Chuck. He's a MUFON State Section 13 Director, STAR Team Member, CAG Member, and Field Investigator. Chuck, where is what does a State Section 12 entail? Well, uh, it was, um, it, let's put it this way, it was, it was Section 16, and I only had nine counties, and then... Uh, they switched a few things around, made it uh, 12, uh, Section 12, and I had uh, 23 counties because one of our, I hate to say it, but one of our uh, uh, field investigators and uh, section directors had passed, and she, oh, no. uh, all day they went ahead and gave me some of their, some of her uh, counties. And uh, now they revamped it again. 
and it is now Section 6 with 45 counties. And uh, it stretches from the uh, Louisiana border all the way over to the, Me- to the Mexican border. So I, I got quite a bit of a piece yeah. of property there. So, so how many square miles would that be, Chuck? Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's quite a piece of – that's a piece of territory and a half. Yeah, it is. Most people I contact with uh, either on phone, mm-hmm. Skype, or uh, <coughs> I will <coughs> – excuse me. Sure. Email uh, because some mm-hmm. of them don't want to talk about it or anything, so we just put it we put it in there as a uh, incomplete, not incomplete, but a uh, um, oh my goodness, uh, boy, my mind's a blank right now. <laughs> All right, so these but, are people who who don't want to uh, file a report. No, they fi- they file oh, a see. report. Uh, some of them file a report, but <clears throat> they don't have a phone number. I see on the report, and it just has a, an email. I'll go ahead and send an email, mm-hmm. and and the report will be information only, and uh, so we really don't know what takes place, and uh, we have to go by what they have on the report. Are UFO sightings up? Are they staying? At par, or do you find they're decreasing? Well, they're they 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 go up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was uh, last few months we've had a pretty good bash, uh, and now it's starting to slow down again. But uh, it, it it just I guess it mm-hmm. all depends on what they may need or what's going on around the country or the world, basically. Uh, but there are a lot of uh, UFOs now. Some of the countries, some of the uh, like Argentina, for mm-hmm. instance, they have two people working that whole that whole country, and one half of it belongs to one guy, and the other half to the other guy. And uh, they might get one case per month, but there are. Uh, I've I've talked to one of the uh, field investigators there, and he says that uh, they they get a lot of people talking about them uh, all over the country, and uh, but they don't want to they don't want to report it. It just it just fascinates them, I guess, uh, and <clears throat> they just want to leave it like it is. So tell us, you you were telling us uh, when we started the uh, started the hour about you were out camping with a bunch of buddies in Colorado. Yeah, it was time to go home. You got in your car. You were going down uh, the the mountain towards your home. I would imagine you saw this giant size orb, and then you went through a hypnosis session with somebody. And what was what was the results of the hypnosis? You know, you're missing what was it uh, three and a half hours basically. Yeah, three and a half hours. Yeah. Well, the basically what it was. See, I didn't realize that this thing was doing what it was going to do. You know, maybe take me in or something. I don't know, but evidently it did because I had missing time, three and a half hours. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but that's what I got out of it. Uh, the I, I don't remember anything inside the ship, but I do remember waking up 
and I looked at my watch, and it was three and a half hours later, and the craft was still out there, but it was only maybe, oh, about maybe the twice the size of of a uh, basketball, and uh, then it it just got real bright and poof, gone. What year would that have been? Uh, sixty five. Nineteen sixty five. I was a senior in high school. My goodness. And yeah. and was that the only UFO? sighting or encounter or loss of time that you've had over the years? Uh, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I, I really got into it pretty good, uh, even though I was a state trooper in Colorado for a while and, uh, and I get, went to Oklahoma and retired as a city cop. But um, the there was one, one incident I had to take a uh, daughter-in-law and the, the three grandkids back down to, to uh, Kingman, Arizona. And uh, <coughs> we were, I was going across 160, and it was a dark. It was late that night. Mm-hmm. And I glanced over towards the mountains to my left, and I saw this white orb, probably about, uh, say, about two sizes of, of a softball. And uh, I looked at that, and I thought, now that can't be the moon. And I looked again over there, and I, and I said, hey, guys, wake up, wake up. Wait. I could not wake them up. They hmm. would not wake up. Um, this thing followed me all the way down to the four corners. And the reason why I said it was following me, because the mountains are 30 miles away from me, and they're up around... Oh, 12, 13,000 feet. And this thing was even with me as far as sight-wise. And I knew it was below the mountains. So, holy moly. And uh, once I got to the Four Corners, it just disappeared. That was it. Any idea who they were or where they were coming from? No, I have no idea. No idea. You know, earlier... But I'm, assuming, I'm mm-hmm. assuming it's the same craft that happened back in 65. Why do you think you were selected? You were chosen by this craft or these people? I have no idea why I was taken for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ever since, um, I've gotten to know a few people that that are um, uh, people that, that talk to you ETs. Right. And I was introduced to one and uh I got to talking to him. I didn't know his language, but I had to have somebody to interpret. Wait a sec, you got introduced to an ET? Yeah. Where where did this, this happen? This was like about four and a half years ago, almost five years ago. About four and a half years ago, yeah. And uh <clears throat> this was in Canada by the way. <laughs> That explains it. <laughs> but uh, he introduced me. He, had, he, brought, he brought his girlfriend in. With, now, this was with Skype. This is with video Skype. He had another couple. Wait a second. Wait, wait a second. Hold on here. I just want to make sure I'm understanding. You were video chat, chatting with an extraterrestrial that's, that's up here in Canada. Well, more or less, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, and then the extraterrestrial brought his wife into the conversation? No, 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 no. no. 
my friend brought his girlfriend into the into the uh, fold. You might okay. say. Okay. Brought me in mm-hmm. and introduced me to the couple. Yeah. That was sitting there, just man and woman that also lives in Canada, uh-huh. uh, on the on the west coast, east coast, matter of fact. And uh, he says, uh, "Are you ready for?" This? I says, "Ready for what?" He says, "I'm going to introduce you to Sarek." And I says, "Who's Sarek?" And he says, "He's a commander of a battleship, and uh, he's probably going to be here shortly." So all of a sudden, this woman mm-hmm. started typing, you know, the zeros and the ones and zeros, you know, all the way down. Sure, binary code. Yeah, binary code. <laughs> and uh, he said, he says you got, uh, um, he says, you got uh, a word? And I said, yeah. He says, he says, okay, paste. He says, he says, copy, paste as fast as you can. Okay. <laughs> so I started doing that. Mm-hmm. And we started about 1130 that night and quit about 330 that morning. But it was kind of weird. I mean, it fascinated me, mm-hmm. but yet I couldn't understand what was going on because he he would, his name is Keith, and he would um, talk to this being when in his own, in his own language, and uh, they would be talking about things. You know, I said, "Okay, what are you guys talking about?" And they said something about two of their craft uh, got too close to the. Uh, uh, black hole, so they have to go get it, go get them, try to get them out of there. And I said, "Hey, I want to go." Mm-hmm. And uh, so this Seric person, he he looked straight up, and then I'll be right, and he said in English, "I'll be right back." I, and I said, "Keith, he could speak English." He said, "Oh yeah." So okay, and uh, so a couple of minutes later, he was back. And he started with his language, and I said, what did he say? And Keith said, that you can go. You have to sit down, stay where you're at. You don't walk around the ship. You don't talk to anybody. You just, it's just for, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, a, a learning session, you might say, of what goes on up there. And uh, so... That day, that night, when I went to I went to sleep, mm-hmm. I all of a sudden I woke up because I had a tingling feeling all around my body, not in it, all the way around it, and my hands were straight out behind, next to my body, and I was straight out on an angle, a foot above my bed. All right, we're going to have to do a little bit of a cliffhanger here, my friend, because I have to take my. News break at the bottom of the hour coming up in about uh, 20 seconds from now. Exo Nation, you don't want to miss this. Charles Chuck Stansberg is my special guest, and he's going to tell us about his extraterrestrial voyage right here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. This is the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard, and we'll both be back on the other side. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. 
I am Rob McConnell, and uh, got something special for all of you Exxon listeners and uh, Dark 30 listeners. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon and uh, Jeremy Scott's Dark 30 and every minute of the Mutual Broadcast Network by calling 605-562-4204. Now, that is with the courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Once again, all you have to do is call 605-562-4204 to listen on any phone, anytime, and anywhere. Exonation, my guest this hour is Chuck Stansburge, and uh, we were talking to Chuck before we went to the news about a conversation that he had via Skype with an extraterrestrial. And uh, Chuck, uh, when last we were speaking, we had a little bit of a cliffhanger. But you <laughs> you asked, you asked uh, what was his name, Sirik? Yeah, Sirik. If you could actually go on a mission to retrieve two craft that apparently were went through a wormhole or a black hole? No, went too close to the black hole. Oh, went too close to the black hole, right. Yeah, they had to get it out of there, otherwise it would be torn apart. So continue with your story, my friend. Well, when we got on board, um, I was looking around. I couldn't really see what the beings looked like, mm-hmm. but I could see shadows. They wouldn't allow me. To, they they allowed me just that much. And uh, I looked next to me on my left, on my right, I mean, and there was an ET sitting there. And then over here on my left, there was a human and then another ET over there. So we were kind of like buckled in. And uh, it was amazing. We were kind of gotten, we kind of gotten thrown around a little bit because once they got out there, to, I, I guess what they did was uh, take their all all three of the craft together and started like a, a spiral, and uh, it it brought it brought them out of there. So there was a few injuries, but uh, nobody was really killed or anything. It was it was quite something. No, let, let's go back a little bit here. Where and how did they come and get you in order to take you out of Earth orbit to go to these ships? Well, you know, like I said, I had this tingling feeling. Mm-hmm. And, I, and when I was a, <clears throat> a foot off of my bed, mm-hmm. it woke me up. And, and I thought, oh, my goodness. And I heard this grunt right next to me, right on my left side. And I heard this, uh and I went, sorry. Next thing I knew, I was on board ship. And uh, it was a small one. And we had to go from there on up past the sun to get to the main craft. And uh, went from there. How long were you gone? Well, um, I'm not sure how long, but it seemed like maybe five, six hours, or maybe even ten hours. I don't know. But I got back. They dropped me back. <laughs> and I mean dropped me back in my bed. And I said, thanks, guys. And uh, it was, I looked at my watch, and it was, uh, I think it was like almost three o'clock. So they brought me back basically pretty close to the time they took me. Hmm. Um, what was it like in the craft, the small craft that took you 
to the larger craft. <coughs> that is hard to explain because I really don't know. Because all I could see was was uh, just um, shadows, mm-hmm. um, and and I didn't see really anybody else other than mm-hmm. the ones that were sitting next to me. I got you. And once we got to the main craft, um, that's what they did again. Just make sure we got set set up on mm-hmm. and and <coughs> and strapped in. So what did this ET look like that you were having the conversation with on Skype? Well, um, if we had video, I guarantee you I could show you. But uh, what I'll do is I'll email it to you. Okay. What he looks like. Uh, it ain't pretty, but it's what he looks like. <laughs> but he's he's a pretty good guy. And, yes, sir. Yeah, and they, I started going... Um, back and forth with Keith up there and mm-hmm. then they started taking me up there on on my own and and uh, they decided they were going to start training me on different things for the craft and they were going to try to uh, they've been trying to get me to uh, let's put it this way talk their length and it is very hard because <laughs> I don't know how to do it, really. So, so what do they want to train you to do? Well, they made sure that I knew most of the places on board mm-hmm. of the battleship. And uh, the it was about maybe three weeks, four weeks, something like that. Yeah, it, was not, it was longer than that. I think it was about maybe two or three months later that when they brought me up, I was looking straight into the face of one of their their kind and she it was a female and she was my trainer mm-hmm. and what they were training me on was a weaponry what kind of weapons and the, the well these weapons let's put it this way their their seats are a lot taller than I am because <laughs> they're they're up about uh, about eight nine feet and uh but they went ahead and re- redid mm-hmm. one section just specifically for me, I guess, to where I could pull the pull the triggers. And you have one on each side. One of them, the one on the on the right side, is what they call what I would call the red button. The one on the left would be the blue button. That's what I would call them. But they don't have it like that. They were trying to show me mm-hmm. what. And when the, when you shoot the red one, it, it's like a plasma. And this plasma ball, I mean, it is huge. It is about as big as this house. And uh, <coughs> it hits and destroys a craft. And uh, the blue one disables it. Hmm. And uh, so that way they can board, you know, and take whatever they want. And this, this is the enemy that are trying to sneak into our galaxy and, and do things that they shouldn't. Um, so we're pretty much protected. How big but, is uh, the ship? Sarek is pretty nice. He, he's a pretty nice guy. He is, eh? Where is he from? Well, I, I don't know the name of their planet, but he's a vegan. So I, I assume this the vegan planet. Mm-hmm. Their planet is, is over 750 million light years away. 
That's a long way. <coughs> yeah. It's a long way. But when you when you traverse the uh just our galaxy only. Mm-hmm. It's like being in a uh patrol car, you might say. Right. And uh when you're cruising around, it is amazing to see all the different things that are out there. The planets, the stars, the the, the colors, and it just it's just amazing. Chuck, would you say that these um, these these this craft, the the battle star that you're talking about, would you say it's highly advanced technologically? Oh yes, very much. Really? So. Um, then then I'm then I'm kind huge. of baffled why they would need someone to manually use the weaponry. Well. Uh, they found out I was in the military, uh-huh. and uh, of course I I uh, had the eight mil uh, eight millimeter six and the six millimeter cannons. So I see. Um, they 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 knew I was in the military because they even asked me if mm-hmm. I was in the military. I said yes, I am. I was. So they decided to start doing that for me, and uh, now I have my own crew of seven. And how big is this battle star? This Battlestar battle ship, is, ship is huge. It's uh, it can hold up to five hundred thousand. Now, are you were you we talking five hundred thousand uh, warriors or five hundred thousand passengers? Or? Both. Really? <laughs> yes. So, what is it used for? Uh, to keep us safe, and uh, they, it uh, destroys um, the, the ships that try to come in our galaxy. To devastate, for instance, um, at one time Mars was mm-hmm. just like Earth, uh, nice and green and all this good stuff. Way back millions of years ago, they had a big, big hadoo up in this area, and both Earth and Mars were devastated completely, just like like Mars is right now. And uh, Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they. From from what I was told, they claimed yeah. that that Mother Earth started bringing up trees, uh, grass, just different things around different parts of the, of the of the world, and they thought, well, we better go ahead and help her uh, refurbish. So ever since then, they they're, they're trying to keep us, our galaxy, safe. Uh, because it is one of the richest in the in, in the uh, universe. So, how often do you go and man your post on board this Battlestar ship? Uh, probably four, maybe five times a, a month. And how long do you go for? Well, there was one time it, it, I think we were gone for a week hmm. uh, because the day and night would go by, you know. I didn't really pay that much attention, but when they brought me back, mm-hmm. uh, when they took me, it was like two o'clock, about two, about two fifteen in the morning, and when they brought me back, it was it was six o'clock in the morning. What does your family say when you go off on your your galactic tour of duty? Uh, they they know I do that, um, especially my wife. She comes in here once in a while and. See, see if I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm not sitting over here in the couch watching TV, then she knows where I'm. She knows right where I'm at. 
and uh, she she knows that. And and she was very skeptic about UFOs because mm-hmm. she didn't believe in them right. until she saw two of them. Have you ever been engaged in a battle while manning your post on board this battleship? Yes, a couple of times. Really, a few times. In fact, we would go out on the outer rims, um, uh, the outer rims of of our galaxy where the battle is, mm-hmm. and uh, we would do our thing to, to keep everything safe around here. If this sounds like it's a huge, massive ship holding 500,000 souls. Where do they keep it? <laughs> Most of the time, it's, it's, it doesn't come any closer uh, probably than around Pluto. Um, and then they send the smaller ships in. Um, and, and before anybody, I mean, one of, the, one of the answers that people don't, 90%, well, actually 90% of do ask me how do you eat what do you eat and i say hamburgers spaghetti whatever you know like we mm-hmm. have on earth earth they what they do is they will send a small ship with several probably about maybe about 50 humans and bring them in different parts of the world cuz you have your different ethnics and uh so they would gather a bunch of food mm-hmm. and then bring it back to the ship and then go back and get some more. So we would have enough up there for maybe uh, two or three months. Why wouldn't they use a synthesizer, a food synthesizer? Well, they don't want to do that because they want the people that are up there to mm-hmm. be happy, in a sense, gotcha. uh, to have what they normally eat, drink, whatever the case may be. And it's the same way with uh, any other ETs that are aboard ship besides the vegans. How do how does everybody get along from all the different planets, from all the different cultures, all the different species? Everybody gets along great. Really? Uh, how do you, you communicate have, if you there's so many spats. different people? Huh? How do you communicate if there's so many different uh, species, so many different... Uh, that's dialects. When, that's when you come in. That's when you come in to get a translator. <laughs> I see. So, by what authority do they patrol the the galaxy? Under which which flag? The uh, uh, Galactic Alliance. And where is their home planet? Um, the Galactic Alliance. Yeah. That is on board ship. There is a what they call a mothership, mm-hmm. and uh, all the beings that <coughs> do, I should say, all, all the beings that are part of the Galactic Alliance mm-hmm. uh, are basically from each world, from different worlds. So the Battlestar, um, the battleship, is smaller than the Galactic Alliance ship? Uh, just a little bit. Wow. Yeah. And how are th- what is the propulsion system on these ships? That is a good question. They would not allow me mm-hmm. in there, but all I hear is a, is most of the time a humming sound. Right. Um, and uh, we just scat through the galaxy like nobody's business. During your time on board, or is is there an artificial gravitational field, or do you float in in zero g's? 
Uh, no, they do have artificial gravity. It's not as heavy as Earth is, mm-hmm. uh, so you got to kind of watch it when you start walking. You know, just make it slowly walking. Otherwise, you'll be start to jump yeah. <laughs> a little bit. But, How long uh, did it yeah. take you to adapt to the your, to to your space shoes? Well, my space shoes are the ones I wear. Yeah. No, <laughs> and, I was using so, that as a, as a metaphor for how long did it oh, take yeah. you to okay. get used to the gravity? It, it, took, a, it took a little bit uh, mm-hmm. to, to get used to it, you know. Right. But once you get used to it, it, it's pretty easy. How do you know when they're going to call you for duty? Or you, you're there in your house one minute, the next minute you're on board? Uh, more or less, what they do is uh, when I when I sit down over here on the couch to watch mm-hmm. TV, I will hear a clicking sound. It's like a, and that's what it sounds like. Um, and when I hear that, it's on my right hand side. Mm-hmm. I'll say, "Sarik, is that you?" And it'll go. That means yes. Wow. And I said, "So we're going up tonight." And he he would go. So. Uh, I said, I'll be ready. All right, and stand by. It. We've got to take our final break for this hour, but uh, Charles is going to be with us the entire next hour as well as we continue this fascinating conversation. An actual human being who's been on board, a battle star, who is a gunner with his own team. We're going to hear more. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell. Our guest this hour is Charles Chuck Stansberg. He is a MUFON State Section 6 Director, Star Team Member, CAG Member, and Field Investigator. And uh, as you've heard over the past hour, he is also a gunnery officer aboard a starship, battle starship, uh, he and uh, I believe it's seven other members of a crew are part of this gunnery. The ship houses over houses up to 500,000 souls from all over the galaxy and beyond. And the ship is massive, according to Charles. Uh, Chuck also says the ship is moored, for a lack of better words, on the other side of Pluto, well out of the view of peeping telescopes from planet Earth. Um, Chuck, are you there? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Uh, did I miss anything in that uh, interpretation, Chuck? No. Okay, you didn't good. Miss good. A thing. All right, good. Um, you know, I, I, you know, when you were talking about when Sirik uh, contacts you, it's one two one two. When you say, is that you? And he'll snap twice. Yeah. I just hope you never eat a bowl of Rice Krispies when that happens, because then the entire <laughs> thing will get lost. Um, yeah, that's true. So how long have you been going up and, and fulfilling your duties aboard this starship? And does the craft have a name? Uh, it may have a name, but I don't know what it is. Uh, I never asked. Yeah. Um, all I know is that... Uh, uh, it's it's beautiful to see uh, to look out into the into the 
stars, you know, you mm-hmm. might say. Because on the bulkhead, um, parts of the bulkhead, when you're walking down like a uh, like a hallway, yeah, uh, it, it's it's like a mirror. You can, I mean, it's like a window. You look out, and you can see all this all planets and stars going by, and just different things. And, and let me tell you, this thing moves fast. Believe you me. Uh, but <clears throat> it is it is quite something to admire. Uh, I've always wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I finally got my chance and uh, been doing that now for roughly four years, going up and down, maybe four and a half. Um, have you ever gone to the bridge of this craft? Yeah. What's the bridge like? Oh, it's it's massive and it's awesome. I mean, I, I look at all this stuff in there and I go... What the heck is all this stuff? I don't even know what everything is. <laughs> do do they mind that you go on international radio shows and, and and tell the world what you've been doing, where you've gone, and that the existence of this massive battle cruiser? Yeah, they uh, they they, uh, they yes, they like it. As a matter of fact, really, they, they want they want to make sure that even with all the other different ETs mm-hmm. that. Uh, Maybe the Earth people should know what's going on, because governments ain't going to help you. Um, the Galactic Alliance, mm-hmm. most of the uh, people that are in the Galactic Alliance, has been on Earth. They have gone to a lot of the uh, um, governors, or not governors, but the uh, presidents of right. the uh, countries, and trying to say, "Hey, look." You are a one species. You're the human race, as as like say, uh, Sarek would say, we are we are one race. We are vegans. All right, stand by, Charles. You and I have to take our commercial break. My friend will be back in about six and a half minutes from now. Charles Stansberg is our special guest, and we'll continue on the other side of this news break for a special two-hour edition with our very special guest. Chuck Stansberg as we continue here from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. 